Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Oh, well, it's pretty hard not to be doing well tonight if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, as I have been since 1972, just like you. So um, this is, you know, there's been lots of sweet nights, obviously, in that time period, but this is one of them. A huge kind of statement win coming off a stinker loss to the uh, Los Angeles Kings. They they play a really good hockey team and they, they beat them fair and square, Bruce, on yep. pretty much every aspect of the game. Better and they beat them with the... They beat him with the new Oilers formula, which is, you know, great goaltending. Uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, obviously, this scintillating power play, puck-moving defense, and just the right amount of depth scoring, which is the new thing we've had in about the last dozen games now. Mm -hmm. um, I think they've averaged about a goal a game, the depth forwards. And if they're doing that, that's, that's, that's going to make this Oilers team really hard to keep out of the playoffs at the very least this year, Bruce. They now have 15 wins in 25 games. So... Uh, and they out, out chance on grade eight chances, 12 to eight. So uh, just a, a happy the better night. team. Happy night. Two good things, two bad things, two numbers, Bruce. But because it's an, a win, we're going to go with our new. When we're so happy, we can't contain ourselves, it seems. And we're, we're each going to have two good things. Okay. All right. I'm game. <laughs> you could probably contain yourself, Bruce, but not I, me. I gotta... I'm going to have six good things by the time I'm done my two good things, but you'll see. <laughs> Okay, let's start with your two good things. Okay, your well, first, my, your, what, your first my, one. My good first, thing. my first good thing is the play of Edmonton's first line, and uh, I'm going to throw rare kudos the way of, da of Connor McDavid for his strong defensive play right out of the gate, very first shift of the game. McDavid was hard on the back check twice. I think it was William Carlson that he took on yeah. and and stopped him. Uh, I think inside Edmonton's blue line twice. And I thought, here we go again. And, you know, a big scoring chance against right out of the gate, which has happened a few times this year. And McDavid put his nose to the grindstone right from the get-go. And to me, that that start set the stage uh, for what became, you know, a fairly dominant offensive game from that group, which we're accustomed to seeing. But sometimes we see them get two or three points and they wind up the game even, you know, and, and, and goals for and against. Today plus two for each player on uh, two even strength goals. And then they added one on the power play for good measure. And I thought uh, the reason I'm picking the line is I almost don't want to single out any one of the three or in, in preferably single out each of the three for playing an excellent game. Zach Cassian was outstanding in the first period. Uh, earned two assists by grinding along the boards. Actually, he earned three assists. Uh, but referee number 17 stole one away from Edmonton uh, on a uber, uber quick whistle. He saw Marc-Andre Fleury start to put his glove down on the puck, so he blew the whistle because he thought he's probably going to get it. Rather than waiting, seeing what actually happens and calling that. But uh, I was not happy at the time. Neither and was I. Nuge kind of got hosed out of a goal there, and uh, he's he's had some a run of bad luck, and that's just an example of what happens to a player when he's on a on a tough uh, scoring run. Uh, but Cassian was the guy who set that up, and really he was the guy who had uh, you know strong play along the boards for each of the two goals that did count in the first period, and then a couple of great scoring chances that he himself had later in the game, including a beauty where he stuck the puck through the defenseman's leg and, and was robbed by Marc-Andre Fleury. This was not a game that Edmonton won because the other team's goaltending sucked. 
I thought Fleury was actually pretty darn good. And they yeah. still managed to get four pucks by him. So kudos to him. And then uh, lastly and not leastly, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who pointed the finger of blame squarely at himself after a putrid outing in Los Angeles, and rightly so. Uh, but he answered his own bell tonight with an outstanding 200-foot effort. I was very impressed with Leon's game. He won a ton of battles in this game. And those one battles uh, resulted in some very nifty passes, three of which resulted in first assists, uh, a, a beautiful soft pass to uh, uh, McDavid coming out of the corner, then a backhand feed to Ethan Bearer in the high slot that Bearer buried, and then another beauty backhand where he won a battle behind the net. He just drove right through the defenseman's stick with the puck, uh, with Flurry down and out, and fed another backhand right on the stick of McDavid, who wasn't going to miss that opportunity. And that 4-2 goal really, uh, I think in some way it took a little bit of the wind out of Vegas' sails. Edmonton was in command down the stretch. And I do believe, by your count, Vegas didn't even generate a high-danger scoring chance until literally too late to save the day, like five seconds left. They got a good chance when it was 4-2, and it wasn't... You know, whether they score or not doesn't matter at that point. But uh, Edmonton tamped it down pretty good. And part of the reason was the reliable two-way, 200-foot game of their top line. Yeah, Dreisettle was made some nice passes. That sizzling pass mm-hmm. to, to Bear. I guess it's good we didn't trade him for P.K. Subban a few years ago, as some folks wanted to, to see happen. Yeah, well, um, I, don't, I don't even want to revisit some folks, but there was talk about him being part of a package <laughs> for P.K. Subban. And like you, uh, at the time, I was glad it didn't happen, and I'm still very glad. That yeah, me too. Bruce, I was just saying, with like that that first shift by McDavid, I thought this is a really good sign because he hasn't been great on. He's been he hasn't even been good. He's been hasn't even been average maybe on defense this year. He's mm-hmm. been mediocre a lot of the time, and he, they just need him to dig in on defense and be the defensive player that he, that he can be and has been in the past. And in spurts, he's really inconsistent there, mm-hmm. but when he puts his mind to it, he, he gets it done. And seeing McDavid play uh, play tough on that first shift was huge for the whole team. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure so they're all too. watching him on the bench and they're like, look, at, oh, there he goes, the captain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he Bobby Clarked it there. And that's what I'd like to see from McDavid, uh, you know, uh, at least in the big games. Like I'm not, ca- yeah. he doesn't well, have yeah. to do it every single game, but in these big games, these big tough games and in the playoff games to come, that's going to be needed. That was playoff so, hockey right there. Very sure was. Sure. Sure was, and they were tough. Vegas is a big, tough, nasty team, and and uh, Reeves should have got a game misconduct for that hit on Clefbaum. But you know what I liked uh, on, on the first line, Bruce? Cassian, his value on the cycle is so immense. He is such a force out there um, along the boards in the offensive end and really allows for those extended cycles for McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, of course, their skill allows for that more than anything else. But he's... The puck's not dying on his stick. That was the whole problem, right? Finding another player. They they put out Lucic there forever, and they put out this that this guy, that guy, the other guy, and the puck would always die on their stick on the offensive offensive end, and that hardly ever happens with uh, with Zach Cassian. So uh, very, 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 very sweet. So we have another note here. The second goal. What was I going to say about that? Oh yeah. So after that near that, you know, the Oilers really deserve the second goal, Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know, Especially that should have been a goal for twice. since they scored it twice. It's so good <laughs> that Dreisaitl earned it for them with that with that pass. Okay, my good thing is Dave Tippett's gutsy call uh, to start Mike Smith. 
So I, I think if we had done a poll, I didn't do a poll. We often do them. But I think if we had done a poll, I'm guessing 90%, and I could be wrong, but I'm guessing 90%, including me, would have voted to start Miko Koskin in that game. And do you think 90% is too high? Might be, but I uh, well, that- I was I, I was thinking each goalie is going to start one game, so I personally didn't care which one was which. Fair enough, there was that but, factor when you put when you with so, a back to back. But so, but go ahead. Putting Smith back in there, I mean Tippett knows his man Smith. He's had him on three teams now. Yeah, and and he knows that when he has a stinker as he did in the first period on uh, uh, Thursday night, that. Uh, He's hungry to get out there. And, of course, he only played 20 minutes that night. So he's nice and fresh and anxious to get at it. And he played well. Like uh, he, uh, uh, The one goal kind of went right through him. And I was not too impressed when he p- tried to go right up the middle with the two-goal lead and 30 seconds left when the net was empty. Because, you know, that was uh, the one play that could have given Vegas a fighting sniff at the end. But uh, he, he, is a, he is a battler. I don't recall seeing a goalie who lunges at so many pucks as him, but he lunges effectively when he's on his game. So when 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 I first read that Smith was starting, mm-hmm. um, I, and then I, I was writing a post about it, and my first thought yeah, was like, why, why are they doing this? Why are they starting Smith? But by the end of the post, I was you actually convinced okay with it. yourself. Yeah, I was actually okay with the decision by then. I could and, read your mind changing as I read yeah. through the paragraphs. So, <laughs> so it's and it was based on this. So he has been. He in the previous four games he had an eight forty one save percentage, Mike Smith, and that's just rancid. Like he, that's like you are cold beyond cold. That is terrible. If he had another game like that, it might have been a while before he started again. Put it that way. So th- there was that, and that's why I'm saying the vast, vast majority of voter fans pr- would have preferred to see Koskinen, who's been like a nine twenty goalie save percentage pretty much all year long, and has, and has been doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there was the back to back games figured in, but. There's also the fact that if you look at the whole season, Mike Smith has had a pretty good season. He's got an overall a 9-10 save percentage. Um, he's, uh, he, when you look at, like, we we actually track in our scoring chance metrics, right. who makes mistakes on the goals against? Like, mm-hmm. and, and Koskinen and Smith are pretty much even. They're dead even. So even though it's we have the recency bias, that Smith has had made a lot of bad mistakes in games, and he has made some bad mistakes more recently. Overall, he hasn't no. been that different than than um, Miko Koskinen. And I just thought, you know, players do get in slumps, and but they break out of them. And he's been playing well this year. Why can't he break out of it? And they've also been going with this equal time thing, right? And this is, this is a consistent coach yes. who's trying to get routines, consistency, consistency of effort, consistency of goaltending as well. And this is how he's done it so far this year. So why should he... In, at the first sign of some real trouble, back away from that. So, so it was that thought mainly that that made me think, oh yeah, this is a smart coach who doesn't back down um, mm-hmm. at the first sign of trouble and cave into the crowd and to the into hit the panic button and change things. He has a thing that's been working for 24 games pretty much, and so let's stick it with it for game 25. So mm-hmm. I, I think a very good call by Dave Tippett. I didn't really say that in my post at the time, so this is kind of like like after the fact praise. Like I, I wasn't as strong, at least I was okay with the decision at that time by the end of the post. But good for him. Yeah, well, Tippett knows that in the long game, he's going to need both of his goalies, and he's going to need them both all season long. 
So he can't afford to get into uh, a situation where he's riding one guy hard and then something, you know, whatever, that guy goes into a slump or something happens to him and then what? So he's uh, he's going to go hard with it and he's not going to let one bad game knock him off. And I'm not sure either the goalies has yet played two bad games in a row, personally. Mm, Smith. Smith had those four. When you have four games with an 849 save percentage, you must have had two bad games in a row. Maybe. I don't want to show you up here like live on YouTube, but I'm just going to say that. Maybe. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have, yeah they, they weren't in a row, but maybe they maybe, were his, yeah, his games yeah. in a row. So, yeah, anyway. Maybe they weren't uh, in a row. Like he did have one win in there, right? Uh-huh. Like in those four games, he did win a game. So maybe it felt like, like an okay game. So, yeah, okay. What's your second good thing? Do you have a second good thing? I sure do. I got lots of good things, but I'm going to again go with an entire line of players, and this would be the European line of uh, Gaetan Haas with uh, Marcus Granlund and uh, Patrick Russell. Uh, a rare combination of a Swiss, a Swede, and a Dane. Uh, a bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And scored the game-winning goal. That's the punchline tonight. And a well-deserved game winner it was with an excellent down-low puck battle by all three guys that culminated with uh, Marcus Gradman making the deposit for his second of the road trip. He scored, a, he scored a beauty in San Jose to open the scoring the other night. And at the time, we were raving about Oscar Clefbaum's uh, great cross-ice pass to him. And later I was thinking, no, I didn't say enough about what a great play Marcus Granlund made there, skating backwards to get into the open ice to receive that pass and, and pop it upstairs. Like, that was some elite skating there. Like, not not every player can make that. That was Nevon Cornway uh, <laughs> skating away from the puck while looking at it because he's, he, you know, because he's got uh, four-directional skating. And that, that was a that was a, a very neat Play by Granlund in San Jose. Well, tonight was more just a hard-working effort and a, and a second effort and putting the rebound in the corner. And uh, he, uh, uh, really, they, uh, uh, Haas, he, he he's joins the battle. He skates hard. He, he, he loses his share of battles and maybe even more than, but it's not because he doesn't show up for them. Then on the other hand, the Dane, uh, Patrick Russell, he hasn't met a battle yet that he won't join. Man, he just struggles, gets in there along the walls, and he just will compete for every puck, and he wins way more than his share of puck battles, and he almost never gets sort of badly beaten. He just, you know, he's he's just a slugger. Like, he's a, he's an excellent fourth-line player. Yeah, it's a stereotype, but if, if you didn't know Patrick Russell's nationality and you said, where is that guy from, you'd say, well, he's Sudbury. from... That's exactly right, or Saskatchewan. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, it's, you know, Sault Ste. Marie or some mm-hmm. Squamish. Like he just plays the Canadian game. So, uh, and G- uh, Gaetan Haas, um, I'm a big fan, like, because of his speed. I, I think there's an NHL player there because of his speed. And uh, he-, he got another great chance in the third period. He almost got a breakaway, but he was gassed, as the announcer said yeah. uh, earlier in the game. The guy has enough speed to be a really dangerous player. And uh, I like what I see most games, although I agree with you, Bruce. He does... He, he's probably a slightly less than 50% in one-on-one battles because he's not that big. Okay, my other good thing was Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who I don't think had a point, and it was minus one. But he did score the the goal that didn't count. He should have got an assist, oh, I believe. Sure, should have got an assist on McDavid's goal. Yeah, I, I don't think he's... Wow. Not on the... Uh, yeah. yeah, he he pried that he's puck loose. Rock. 
Yeah, they got robbed there. Maybe they'll add it to him. I don't know. Do they ever add it after the game? Sometimes. Oh they yeah, do. sometimes they do. And they so, might. so he totally pried that puck loose. Mm-hmm. Um, so he should have had a goal on an assist. He, and he set up. He set up Archibald cross seam. Archibald. That was like like the, the grade A. It was like triple A chance there, and Archibald couldn't get it in the net. He, and um, uh, there were some other chances. He set up Neil a couple times, I believe. Neil just, late late in the game where he stopped up. He just. He just completely turned the defender inside up with a quick yeah. stop and reverse and a sweet feed right across the slot. And Neil, Neil didn't miss either. Fleury made an outstanding save on that play. Yeah. Nuge is, is a fantastic player. And uh, especially when he, like, when he makes up his mind that he's just going to, like, be a crazy hustler all night, like, just go for it. Mm-hmm. And I think all the veteran players on the team are making – in a number of big games, we started to see this, where these players, maybe in the past they've wilted a bit, but they're all digging in. Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Drive Settle and refusing to lose. And they're not losing as much because of it. So uh, good for them. Well, they're getting to be grizzled vets now, David. I mean, what's McDavid now? He's 22, isn't he? Yeah, he well. 23 in a couple months. I mean, that's... Uh, NHL. That's, that's the age Wayne Gretzky was when he won his first Stanley Cup. I mean, you're not talking about a kid anymore. Let's put it that way. Not by any Same with Leon. You're talking about guys that are really entering their prime years or in their prime years in the case of the Nuge. Yeah. All right. What's your bad thing, Bruce? My bad thing is the short turnaround between tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, done for Canadian TV, I believe, where the Oilers play the late game on Hockey Night in Canada tonight at 8 p.m. in Vegas. And then we'll play the only uh, game on Canadian TV tomorrow night, 6 o'clock in um, Arizona. So that's a minimum NHL mandated minimum 22 hours between games. Like they can't have a situation where a team plays a night game and then a day game, right? That's, it's just not the rules say it has to be 22 hours. But my bigger beef is with Roger Sportsnet and the idea that uh, their Sunday night show goes directly into the Grey Cup game. What in the hell is that? Uh, you know, I'm a Canadian sports fan. I'm a hockey fan first and foremost, but I'm a sports fan. The Grey Cup game is the football game of the year in Canada. Now, when they play the Super Bowl in uh, Super Bowl Sunday in the States, the entire NHL plays early day games and they cut the games off so that everybody can watch the Super Bowl. Now, I don't expect American fans to cancel hockey schedule for Canadian football final, but I sure in the hell expect Canadian hockey fans to be given the chance to watch the game, the Grey Cup game. One bloody Sunday a year. What time is the Grey Cup? Uh, four o'clock. So basically the second half. And here we have, you know, an Oilers game up against, I mean, if the Eskimos were in the Grey Cup, it would be even more of a pickle. But I just don't think it's right. And I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if Rogers wants to show, like on Super Bowl Sunday, they'll have their hometown hockey and they'll have a Sunday game at like noon. And that's fine. That's what they should do tomorrow. But uh, no such thing. So it, and it impacts the Oilers because of the short turnaround. But uh, I, I'm just more than a little browned off. That I mean, I've watched every Grey Cup game since 1962, David. Now tomorrow, here I am working uh, the Oilers game because that's when they're playing it, and I just don't think it's fair to sports fans like me. And I'll just so watch. That's my bad thing. Just watch the Great Cup and then tune into the Oilers game later. And we'll be, well, I got yeah. I've got a. I'm coaching a game tomorrow night anyway, Bruce. So mm-hmm. We're going to be a little later anyway. So but you know, I, I didn't. Yeah, but <laughs> I have a. 
it just pisses me off. Is there, is there, you know, they got to they got to think it through. Like I think it's between them and TSN, they should work that out too. Like they they put the fans yeah. on a, on a hot spot, and it's just not necessary. I'd like to say that I care, but I honestly didn't know the Grey Cup was on tomorrow. So I mean, I I can tell you the entire Eskimos defensive unit from 1980 to 85, but I I have do not watch the CFL anymore. So I'm sorry that, uh, sorry about that. Uh, CFL fans. I know that you're hardcore and you love that game, but, uh, well, I don't watch I, the NFL anymore, but I do watch the Super Bowl. I don't I watch appreciate the fact there's no hockey up against it. And it should be the same, at least in Canada for Canadian teams against the big Canadian game. And that's my opinion. Already. And I'm sticking with it. Fair enough. My bad thing. There wasn't a lot bad, but you know, I, Adam Larson, I thought, wasn't, uh, he's still finding his A game, to put it mildly. There was one play in particular. Um, he made some good plays. So I did give him a five overall, just because I was being probably a little bit generous. But um, of all the Oilers players, I mean, everybody passed tonight. Uh, but man, the second goal, first he dumps it out. He he tries this long pass. And when Vegas picks off that pass, they're coming in hard with a number with with numbers, and Clefbaum and Larson are way back in the Oilers zone. And then to make matters worse, both Clefbaum and Larson get absolutely undressed by um, uh, Shea Theodore. Theodore on the play. And so not a good moment for Adam Larson. Like he's he is a veteran player, and he showed some veteran stuff. He was really tough on the boards that game. He had some really good moments on the boards. But come on. It's time for Adam Larson to step up and make a statement. Now he's so I'm going to give him. I'll have some patience here. I'll I'll yeah. back off from any like overall assessments. I'm not going to make that right now. But it is time for him to to pick it up and uh, play like he can. Well, on that play, he wasn't patient enough on the rush. Like after he gave the puck away, he came over to Kleffbaum's side to try and challenge Theodore, and Theodore made one cut and beat both guys at the same time, and. Whereas if, if he's coming in one on two and he's got to beat Kleffbaum, then Larson, I don't think he's going to go through him. And I think Adam moving in the way he did kind of kind of had Oscar in in betwixt and between, and he wound up getting beat on the same inside. Yeah, beat. it was a great I, play by Theodore. I mean, it was. Theater. I agree with you on Larson too. He did throw off, probably threw off Clef, like in a number of ways. Oscar Kleffbaum's probably not too happy about that play from his partner. <laughs> I just hope Clefbaum's okay. I mean, this is the night when uh, Brian Burke said in intermission he's having a near Norris quality season, and um, yeah, then a play like that happens. But yeah, I, I hope Clefbaum is not. Uh, that was a really dirty play by Ryan Reeves. Put up right in the numbers, drove him right into the boards, and how oh, that was a penalty? How was that not a penalty? Like, get your well, head out can, of your yeah, ref. Like, how do you miss it? Uh, you know, I mean. It's like everybody in the rink saw it. He had to. Clefbaum yeah. was going after the puck. Uh, Reeves saw the two sevens, and he just smashed in between him and sent him flying in the boards. <laughs> and that was the third heavy hit that Clefbaum took. He got crushed on two clean checks right in a row on one shift in the first period, about 10 or 15 seconds apart. Reeves caught him with a good check, and then Carrier nailed him again right after. And I thought, yeah. yeah, this is going to be a tough, tough night. And then he got the third one. And... I tweeted at the time that I don't remember ever seeing Oscar go into a referee and, and, and sort of noticeably take an issue with a call that was made in the game. Like, he is not a whiner. 
But he went right after number 17, Frederick Lequier, who, uh, Lequier, I don't know how you pronounce that name, who the same guy, the same guy who missed the, uh, uh, who assumed the quick whistle earlier. Uh, and Clough went after him, but he did it with, he did it in his way, you know, classy, like he didn't bark at him, he didn't swear <laughs> at him, he just got cut right in his face and said, how did you miss that? Like he hit, you know, you could see <laughs> he was really contesting the lack of the call, but he was doing it like politely. And by the end of it, the referee gave him a, you know, a pat on the rear end. <laughs> I think probably apologized for uh, for missing it. But uh, I will say this: the refs called zero penalties on the Oilers tonight, and this is a rare thing. To yeah, do. and so, on the first goal, Cassian might have theoretically been called with a penalty. There was also a quick whistle after that cleft bomb hit, right after. Uh, and I think maybe that was a makeup call, like, oh, bees, geez, if they score here, I'm gonna look really bad. So I better. Oh, I can't see the puck for a second. Like, blow the whistle there. Uh, I, that, that's probably not correct. <laughs> All right, my number, Bruce, is I got three numbers, 1634. 1634 is the first number. The second number is 1804. And the other number is 1535. And those are the time on ice. Chris Russell, 1634. Adam Larson, 1535. And Caleb Jones, 1804. And time on ice being the metric that tells us which defenseman does the coach trust the most that game, barring like injury issues right? Um, or extended PK or power play time, which we didn't have this game. So uh, the coach is trusting, trusted Caleb Jones more than the two veterans. And I think that was the right call. Uh, although Russell, I didn't, I thought had a pretty good game. He was fine. But Caleb Jones, I thought, had a bounce back game after a pretty rough night in Los Angeles. Good to see him have that. I mean, he, I didn't see any obvious mistakes and he made, just moved the puck well, uh, met every challenge. So good for Caleb Jones. I think he, he took a step in earning Tippett's trust. And I, I think this was a bubble game for, for Jones. If, if he didn't play well, he could be out of the lineup and it might happen anyway when Benning comes back. But He's, I, I like, like I'm a big Caleb Jones fan anyway, but I thought he played a pretty good game. I thought he was terrific in the third period, especially getting yeah. the puck, getting the, get, winning races to the puck and getting a moving north, which is the strength of his game. And under pressure from a, from a pretty talented, uh, fast, hard checking opponent like Vegas, he didn't wilt under that uh, four checking pressure at all. He made, you know, just calm quick decision, good movement of the puck kind of plays and uh, kept the puck out of danger. And, he uh, might as well play his A game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Power to him. He might as well play the A game because you might as well go for it yep. uh, because if he doesn't, he's certainly not going to make it. So, But he, he has a chance to make it if he can keep bringing that A game. Bruce, what is your number? I, I'm going to add one number to yours before I give you mine. That's 1054, which is Joachim Nigard's ice time tonight, which was the least of any Oiler. As Tippett really ran his entire lineup, and this is great in the beginning of a back-to-back, they didn't have a line rotting on the bench playing six minutes. You know, it was like 11 minutes and up for everyone. Smart. And that's, that's terrific. Uh, my numbers are 1 and 12, uh, and that is the number of giveaways and takeaways by the Edmonton Oilers in this game. One giveaway, zero penalties. This was a very low mistake kind of game for Edmonton. Now, mind you, that's a lot of that is discretion of the scorekeeper or the referee, respectively. But they uh, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot in this game. And 12 takeaways is actually quite a lot. And that includes four that were credited to Adam Larson. 
alone, which is uh, surprising to see. But uh, he was uh, he was the ringleader in that particular department. But uh, they were winning puck battles as a as a takeaway from those that those two columns together. Far more pluses than minuses, and by comparison, Vegas had 14 giveaways and only 10 takeaways. So Oilers came away with more pucks off of mistakes or just won battles than, uh, yeah. than Vegas did. I guess they didn't count Larson's pass on that second goal as a giveaway. You know, I, generally they don't. If the that's puck, kind of a giveaway, I'm saying. Cha- if the puck changes zone, so they usually yeah. don't. That's more like uh, what I call a punt. With my, you know, but that uh, wasn't. Long, he didn't punt that one. He was trying to make standing, a pass. Yeah, it got picked off. His pass got picked it off. Got, it got picked off, but it got picked off in a different zone. Yeah, fair so enough. So it wasn't. It wasn't like he coughed the puck right to a guy right next to him. You maybe know. they have definitions, right? You'd hope yeah. they do. So maybe yeah. that maybe that's one of their definitions. If the puck changes zones, that can never be a giveaway because you, you've advanced the puck. So right. Yeah. Alrighty. So tomorrow night we got a another big game, man. Another big one. So. This it's has a been a really very crucial... tough team. Very good, Sh- underrated team, Arizona. Yeah. Such a crucial road trip, right? Because like, when you looked, when you when you were looking at the schedule, and I was looking at the schedule, like these, is it five games this road trip? Mm-hmm. And it looked like, man, this is just going to be, this could be bad. But it started off so great, and then now there's this. And if if you can come out of this road trip, Bruce, with three wins and two losses, um, which is what I was kind of secretly hoping heading into it. Uh, that'd be fantastic. So I was we'll... even thinking two and three is not a disaster. What yeah. what you got to avoid is getting getting whacked. And they've already got the two wins. And really, icing on the cake is, I mean, much as it is painful to lose a game to the to the lowly Los Angeles Kings, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the week the Oilers are going to win two of the three games and you can pick the two that you're going to want, I'm going to say, well, I want the one against San Jose and against Vegas in regulation. Put some distance between... Oilers and teams that can actually catch them because LA, they're never going to catch Edmonton this year or anytime soon, I don't think. Yeah, they so lost. If you're, if you're going to lose a game, that's the one to lose. I mean, as as much as it didn't taste very good at the time, I mean, uh, they won two sweet games against teams that they want to keep below them in the standings and uh, beating them directly in their barn is about the best way possible to do that. So Arizona Sunday and when is Colorado Tuesday? Colorado Wednesday. Wednesday. All right, we yeah. got the break there. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Well, I think that's probably it for tonight. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you right again tomorrow night. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey Podcast.